This is First Nature on the Rising Man Podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is Sean Berry, your host, bringing you another episode of First Nature right here on the Rising Man Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, this podcast uh, today, actually I recorded it a few months ago. I was driving, it was late afternoon, warm, beautiful day, super still, really quiet, and I was just kind of going through this valley area between these two ranges, smaller ranges, and just, I uh, just had to get out and walk into it. Just felt compelled, inspired. Using my imagination, and what occurred to me was like, oh, yeah, what if the landscape, what if the, the land around me, like, using my imagination, what if it was literally my inside experience, my inner emotional, uh, spiritual, uh, physiological experience opened up and laid out in front of me, like turned inside out and physicalized. And, and that blew my mind because I was able to use my imagination and, and really just kind of go there and just look at the trees and the bushes and the grass and the dirt and the stones as like literally part of me manifested, right? And what that gave me was this really wonderful opportunity to, to just, you know, work with myself in this very physical, tangible way and to actually feel like nature was me at, at a deep level that I hadn't yet experienced. And so that's what this uh, podcast is about. Um, I get on this walk, get into this space. Um, I'll share more about it in the podcast to hear about it. In the meantime, sit back, relax. Um, if you can be somewhere near a natural place, uh, I know a lot of times when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm driving, you know, I'm doing something. Um, and that's fine if you are when you're listening to this one too. But um, just get outside nature a little bit. But just getting a visual and uh, some sensory input as I go through this uh, for yourself could really just deepen uh, the podcast experience for you. Okay, enough talk. Uh, enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm uh, out here in the Santa Monica Mountains, Los Angeles County. It's beautiful spring, late spring day. Sun's starting to get low. It's warm. There's still a lot of lush beauty. The uh, dry summer months are still a little ways away thanks to all the amazing rain we had in this region this year. So walking out here, I was uh, just shuffling through green, green grass up to my waist and noticing the purple flowers, yellow flowers, red flowers, the bird song, the insect noise. Hopefully you're picking some of that up on this recording. And uh, just being struck by beauty. Beauty. The beauty of nature. You know, on this podcast, I'm, I'm always striving to bring in some inspiration and some information and combine that into, uh, you know, a conversation that hopefully hopefully is uh, just striking your curiosity, making, making you curious about getting out into nature, spending more time in nature, and particularly spending more time alone in nature, spending more time alone in deep nature, in wilderness, right? So getting off the trail, getting away from places where most people go to be in nature. And why is that? 
Well, I know for myself that when I come out to be in nature with other people, it's always wonderful to be connecting with my friends and or family that way. But a lot of the times my attention is not on nature, it's on the other person or on our conversation. And maybe we stop and notice certain things um, and point out things to each other and take in the beauty and enjoy it together. But I'm not specifically relating to nature in those moments when I'm with people in nature. And if you really want to start to dive into a relationship with nature, which really is what nature connection is, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't underscore enough how important it is to get out into nature by yourself. By yourself. Now, that can be challenging for some people depending on your location and availability of time and transportation access. But if you hold it as something that you really want to bring more into your life, uh, I know you'll find a way because that's kind of how life works, right? Um, we make things important and then our genius and the rest of the universe starts to conspire to reveal opportunities to, to, for us to have that thing in our life that we so, so dearly want. So when it comes to nature connection, if you really want that, um, it's getting out into nature by yourself and it's creating the right conditions for that to happen, whatever that looks like for you. So I want to put that in there. And secondly, I just wanted to, um, to underscore also the challenge of nature connection in this day and age. You know, we have so much technology. Our technology is amazing now, right? We have all these ways to interact with each other and interact with the world, interact with ourselves, interact with our creativity. <clears throat> and what's really phenomenal is all those things, the, the computers, the phones, the cars, the planes, the, the mediums, the art supplies, the in industrial supplies, whatever it, whatever it is you're into, um, it all came from Earth, right? So there's a lot of brilliant minds out there who have been looking at the rocks and the trees and the soil and the ores and the resources that are just here on this planet and scooping them up and finding a way to process them and convert them into these amazing things we enjoy every day, right? It's so, it's, I still am so challenged to hold a cell phone in my hands or to look at the one I'm looking at right now as I record this and look at it and go like, wow, what a beautiful piece of nature. It's really not my first response. And even when I sit here and do a little meditation on trying to see my phone or my computer, my laptop, my car as another uh, incursion of nature, it's really, really difficult. I, honestly, I, I, emotionally, I can't get there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We'll get into another time. But uh, I wanted to, um, to really bring in this piece too that uh, our things can get in the way of our nature connection. Our desire for safety, our desire for security, our desire for convenience, um, they actually can become obstacles to our nature connection journey. So again, finding a way to get out into nature, deep nature, alone with little, very little, right? Take some water, take some sun care, some weather care, but you don't need much. You definitely don't need your phone. Um, you can do plenty of research about where to go and how to be there. Um, on the trailheads, there's plenty of resources on the internet for that. Um, so you could actually get out on trails 
without any technology except for a little bit of water and what you need to, to be safe with uh, the weather. And right there, you're already putting all of your attention, all your focus completely on the landscape around you. And, um, and I don't know if you've ever done that before, to actually go out for a nice, long, multi-hour hike without technology, without a phone, um, without something that plays music or takes pictures. Um, if you haven't ever done that, I can't recommend how valuable it will be for you to do that and to start doing that regularly. Uh, you know, I, I know for me, I often, when I have my phone with me, there's a sense of feeling empowered, right? That I have uh, whatever I need, I have at my fingertips. I can reach out to anyone. I can get the information I need. I can have entertainment. There's all this uh, kind of freedom to engage and uh, create uh, an, an, uh, create a, uh, <laughs> an experience, uh, custom designs, you know, these devices we have. But what I've realized when I've started to go out more without my phone, leaving my phone in the car or even just leaving it at home is uh, the sense of freedom I experience without it. And that, my friends, is a different kind of freedom. And you can only experience it when you know that you can't access your technology. And if you've never done that before, there's going to be a few, a little bit of a time when you get on the trailhead where you're going to start to feel like you don't have freedom, like you don't have control, like anything could happen and that could be uncomfortable. But I'm pretty sure you'll find after a while of walking, whatever it's going to be for you, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, hour and a half, whatever it takes, uh, I do believe you'll find yourself relaxing. You'll find your mind uh, expanding on the way that it is wanting to interpret the environment, right? Um, think about it this way. When you're with your phone, how many times are you looking at your phone when you have it in your daily life, right? We're using it to interpret our communications. We're using it to interpret and remember our visual uh, input through photos and videos. Uh, we're using it to, um, to locate ourselves, right? To know where we are in time and space. Uh, we're using it to understand the flow of our day with our calendars and a timepiece. Um, we, we're probably even using it to track how we take care of our bodies, whether it's with exercise or a diet plan. Um, all our entertainment, whether we're watching something on our devices or looking to make plans, accessing information to make plans to go do something entertaining. Um, all of it's being funneled through these devices, right? So on one hand, that's great. A lot of convenience, a lot of options. On the other hand, I think you'll find that without your phone, your, your awareness of how to process information will expand, right? If you've, if you've been using a phone for any length of time or a device, uh, I think you'll realize that uh, we start to train ourselves to uh, take our cone of awareness and focus it down to a point of access, which is our devices. And then the outside world, that whole sphere of world out there, of universe, is being trained to come down to a point of access into your phone, right? So there's these two giant spheres of experience and information, the outside universe and our internal selves. And, you know, prior to all these devices, prior to modern technology, 
uh, there was all these all this surface area that we could connect with the universe around us and experience it and interact with it and, and let our own genius and our own creativity and our own sense of of how we want to understand and interpret the data and the information and the experience around us uh, individually as ourselves or you know conjoined with um, friends or family people community right there was so much so many ways to do things so many ways to go about achieving the things we want to achieve in our experiential lives. And now it's almost entirely locked up into this one point of access. So our brain becomes very trained to have the same level of curiosity, the same desire for expansion and knowledge as it's always had. But instead of looking at all these different ways, it can access the world directly, tangibly, make contact with it. It gets focused down to this one way of doing it. So all that to say, um, I think you'll find that once you're out in nature alone by yourself without a device, it'll take a little while, but you'll start to realize that uh, the world becomes more rich all of a sudden because there's no, there's no filter. There's no veil between you and just the real actual world around you. And to realize that the only way you're going to be able to learn about that world is to, is to interact with it directly. You know, picking up stones, touching flowers, smelling flowers, uh, listening to the birds and the insects, um, feeling our body as it go, how it goes, as it goes up and down over the trails and around things, and um, and just this natural curiosity that comes in when we when we, can, we slip into discovery mode, where we're just really aware of our surroundings. No distractions, nothing to pipe all our curiosity down into a point of access. The whole world becomes accessible. So try that. See if you can take yourself out there and, and have that kind of experience. I think you'll, I think you'll dig it. I, I think you'll find something out about yourself that maybe you've forgotten. Uh, I mean, if you're over 30, 35, and uh, you'll, you probably have some memories before you had a lot of access to a phone. Um, if you're under 20 or so, uh, you probably don't. You've probably had a phone since the day you can remember. And I realize that might be a little more edgy for some people who don't really have any kind of prior experience of being without devices, being by yourself uh, out somewhere where, there, you know, where you don't have a way to communicate or access information. That could be edgy. But you know what? It's doable. That's how we got to here. You think of all the decades, the centuries, that we built technologies, built systems, built civilizations, without having that immediate sense, that, that immediacy of communication, connection, information. We did it. That's how we got here. Now we have it at our hands at all times. And, um, and I feel that it is, I feel, I'll just speak for myself. I feel that it does tend to squelch um, the way my brain used to access the world. It's like atrophying my cognitive interaction, I guess is one way to say it. So once you're outside getting into nature, um, let's talk about just the language of nature for a second, right? So, you know, there's, um, there's really only just one word in the English language anyways we use to talk about nature, and that is nature. And when we say nature connection, there's really not too many ways to say that differently. Almost no other way to say that differently. And um, something I always like to say about nature connection is that you know, to say that phrase, nature connection, is to imply 
that there's a disconnection that you know if you're going if you're going to ex- explore and experience nature connection then that is implying that prior to that experience you are not connected to nature and uh, if you've listened to this uh, podcast at all you'll know that um, I'm a big fan of of help helping people realize and remember that you're always connected to nature always you can't not be connected to nature it's impossible it's impossible just breathing so realize when you take in a breath you're breathing in a multitude of gases that have been produced by all the plants around you right you are literally breathing in you're inhaling the exhalation of plant life that's how intimately acquainted we are with nature every moment of every day you can't really go more than you know minutes i think they say five minutes before brain damage happens not long after you're um you know you'll become (laughs) unresponsive and dead without air without oxygen in the air and it's not just oxygen right there's a mixture so just thinking about that the next time you're out walking around looking at trees or noticing the grass or anything that's in the flora, the world of flora that's growing out of the grounds. Uh, they, they are inhaling your exhale and you are inhaling their exhale. That is straight up science. No two ways about it. And not only is it science, it's magical, wonderful, incredulousness of how this planet works. And that is how this planet works. The only way we exist is because the plants are making air for us. (laughs) I mean, really just take that in. All the plants, all the trees, they are making air so that we can breathe. And that whether how much you believe in evolution or creation, um, it doesn't really matter. The fact is that um, this is the way this planet works. This is the way this planet works we have a symbiotic integral intimate relationship with nature every single one of us just because we need to breathe the air that the plant life makes for us so just let that in just let that in and take a breath And it's a little funny, I'm just feeling it now, tripping myself out, thinking about that. I'm inhaling the exhale of a plant. And I'm thinking about when I've had like, you know, uh, romantic partners and stuff. And when you're close together, small talking, intimate moments, you're often, you know, inhaling and exhaling each other's breaths. So it's kind of like that, thinking about being in that intimacy with a plant, being, you know, you want to really do something interesting, go up to a plant, go up to a tree, a leaf, and just get it really close to your face and breathe it in. Breathe in the oxygen that's coming straight out of that plant life and breathe into it the carbon dioxide that it needs to inhale so that it can breathe. I mean, if that isn't intimate, I don't know what is. And that is the fundamental of how, uh, you know, anything above water lives. Fundamental, inescapable truth. It's a fact.
Second would be water, right? So you can go five minutes without air. You can go about five days without water, give or take. You know, they say that the, this planet is 75% water. They say that our body is about 75% water. And if you are tracking any of the uh, work of astronomers, you'll know that they've found thousands, thousands of other planets that are about the size and shape of Earth that are, up, that are orbiting a star about the size and heat of the sun. And most of them are just hot, rocky, gassy planets. Unlivable. No water. No water. Um, I mean, they found a little bit of water on the moon. They found some residuals, you know, some residual, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, they found traces of water that used to be on Mars. Apparently there's some underwater uh, potential on Europa, a moon of Jupiter. But these are rare, rare instances. And it's not like there's, you know, lakes and oceans teeming with life, like on this planet. Right? The next time you're uh, just near a body of water, whether it's a river, a pond, a lake, an ocean. I mean, oceans are a trip. <laughs> if you haven't been to an ocean or haven't been near an ocean lately, uh, just pull up some YouTube videos, right? Play them full screen on your TV or wherever you can see things big and just really let rotter, water uh just hold the idea of water. It's amazing. It's this amazing substance. It's this liquid that we need to survive. Again, it's by design of whatever you want to believe is out there making things happen, whether it's, you know, a sentient, uh, all-knowing God or four billion years of evolution. Um, there's no escaping that we need water to live. We have to have water in our bodies. We have to have nature in our bodies. Again, just thinking about the intimacy of that, drinking in water, putting a substance from outside of ourselves, something that's just sitting around and pooling on this planet that we need to ingest or we'll die, we'll straight up die. So air, water, these are two ways that we are always nature connected, whether uh, we realize it or not. And to come back to the idea of nature connection and the feeling of being dis or thinking we're disconnected, you know, what I'm really communicating here is that uh, we're always connected. It's just that we forget. We forget. It's hard to remember amidst all the ways we've uh, interpreted nature into our technologies uh, that at the end of the day, we're just another species uh, walking around on the surface of a planet. One out of thousands of species, thousands of species, right? I mean, we're a pretty interesting one for sure. But we're a product of this planet. You know, I'm also very fond of, so we got air, we got water, we got food, all right? All this stuff hanging off your bones and including your bones, guess what? 
that's all nature. That is literally the earth packed onto your bones. It is the earth that is your bones. Remember, you started out as a single cell organism. Isn't that a trip? You started out as a single cell. One little nucleus with a sprig of DNA in it. But then you subdivided into two cells. And then those two cells subdivided into four cells. And that requires energy. And the only place that energy comes from is from the surface of this planet in the form of food. Now, at that cellular level, you're getting your food uh, highly processed and prepared specifically for cell division from your you know, host, your mother, or whoever carried you. But at some point you were born, you came out into the world, out of the womb, and boom, there you were in the atmosphere, on the planet. And then you were drinking milk, and then you started to have some hard foods. And when you get to the hard foods, that's, that's where it gets really interesting, right? Because if you're consuming food, which you are, you're consuming earth. You're eating plants that grew out of the surface of the earth, from the earth. Or you're eating other species who have eaten the plants that have grown out of earth. So if you've <clears throat> looked into plant life at all, it's pretty interesting. You know, a lot of, a lot of plants are drawing carbon out of the air, sequestering carbon back into the ground. Um, they're also drawing uh, some of the more vital nutrients they need out of the earth. So uh, they're pulling vitamins and minerals up through the roots and water. And that's how they grow. That's how they add mass, um, you know, between that and the carbon they're pulling out of, the, out of the air. That creates the mass of plant life. And then we eat that plant life, right? And there's that phrase. I've said this before on the show. It's worth repeating. Uh, <clears throat> you've heard it. Um, you are what you eat. The truth, the real truth is you are what you don't shit. <laughs> so think about that. You eat a bunch of food, it goes into your belly. Somehow your little, you know, you at your little one cell level figured out how to make trillions of cells, uh, figured out how to um, tell certain cells to, to function in certain ways, creating organs, right? And then those organs somehow all know what to do. They know what their role is. So when you just dump in whatever food you got from the earth into your mouth and it goes down to your belly, somehow all your organs and everything, they all know what to do. They all know what to do. They process that. They break it down. And whatever is useful to your physical growth and physical health, it keeps. It adds it onto your body like a Lego, right? Just sticks it back on. And what it doesn't need and doesn't use gets eliminated through our urine or through our shit. That's it. We are literally the earth walking around, looking at itself, your body, the skin. If you just even just touch your skin right now, just look at it and pinch it and just be like, wow, this used to be plant life. This used to be animal life. If I cut my finger off and buried it in the ground in a number of months, it wouldn't be there anymore. It would be completely reabsorbed back into the planet. A little macabre, but 
you know, essentially, that's what happens to your body if, you, if we don't lock it into a coffin, right? So you think about before we used to bury people in boxes, we just bury them in the ground, and the earth would take it back. It would reclaim what it belongs to it. So, nature connection. Um, you are deeply, deeply nature connected at all times. Can't not be. We just forget. I do believe it's our devices and our technology that uh, cause us to be forget causes us us to be forgetful. So the biggest favor you can do to yourself, for yourself, or or to yourself, is to start making space in your life every day, where you step back the technology engagement a little bit. All right, phone is the biggest one. So. I mean, I don't know what your schedule is, but just finding windows of time where you can not have your phone with you. You know, if you've got a market you walk to down the end of the block, it's leaving your phone at home for that walk. If uh, it's, you know, if your job doesn't require you to have to have phone communication, try going for a day to your job without a phone. People used to, <laughs> billions of people used to do that every day, all day for their entire lives. That was, that was the way it was done. If you walked out the front door, you were pretty much unreachable unless someone called a landline to get a hold of you or they went to where you were, right? So it's not that, it's not that the world is gonna stop. Yes, it'll be inconvenient. Um, and trust me, your day is gonna feel different, really different. From there, it's like, do you have to drive everywhere? Right? What would it look like to start walking more? Short trips. You know, there's all kinds of ways. Um, preparing your own food, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't cook much right now. I kind of go through phases. Um, but if you don't cook much for yourself, uh, it's a great opportunity to start doing that. Just, you know, one meal a week. Going to the grocery store and, with, and consciously going down the produce aisle, right? So finding whole foods, not uh, pre-made, pre-cut, canned things. Uh, going down the, the produce aisle and going into the, um, the, um, the butcher aisle, right? And really looking at these things, right? The produce aisle is amazing. There's produce from all over the world in your local grocery store. Things that grew out of the ground. They literally, just like you, started as a single cell organism and somehow in their amazing DNA record, uh, they created themselves into these amazing, nutritious, delicious plants that we actually need to eat for us to live. They're living, they're alive. And especially if you eat things raw, you're taking that living, sentient life into your body, into your body. And I don't know what happens when alive, sentient vitamins and minerals and enzymes go into your belly and start to get broken down. But, you know, on a cellular level, all the cells in my body, not all of them, some of them are dead, but in general, all the cells in my body are alive. And then these other cells come into my body that are alive. And while there's a lot of um, anthropomorphism applied to a lot of different way things out there in the world. I like to think about those two cells, the one that came in that was alive and the one that's in my body that's alive meeting each other 
and saying, hey, welcome to the party. Let me show you where uh, you'll be living from now on. <laughs> right? That's really what's happening is we're taking other forms of life and we're inviting them to live in our bodies. Going down the meat aisles a trip, looking at meat, right? Buying a couple pounds of something and realizing that what you're holding, the weight of what you're holding is an animal that ate so much plant life and converted so much plant life into its own material that covered its own bones. That's what it is. That is, that is nature. All that is nature. The, the meat at the market, the produce at the market, the stuff you put into your belly, the skin and bones and muscles that's, that you're made up of, the water you're drinking, the air you have to breathe every couple seconds, that is, that is the essence, the fundamental characteristic of nature connection, right? If we didn't have uh, language, if we didn't have super smart brains, you know, if we were uh, just a life form on the order of, uh, I don't know, a lizard, <laughs> right? We would still have those basic functions. We would still need to breathe. We would still need to drink water and we still would need to be eating other plants and animals. That is the signature mark of life on this planet. You need to be doing those three things if you're going to call yourself a citizen of Earth. So as a human, I feel we have this amazing opportunity to actually be aware of that. And to, you know, what I like to do is to let my mind get blown by how amazing it is that as this creature, as this species, Homo sapiens, that I can actually observe how my body is made up of this earth, how I can observe that I need to make my body interact or actually my body makes me, whatever me is, interact with this planet in order to live on it. And all these other things we do with our time, you know, jobs, relationships, technology, entertainment, work, creation, imagination, whatever it is you're into, all that is sitting on top of that basic fundamental nature connection premise. No matter what you're doing, no matter how much you love doing it and how much uh, and how, how far away it seems, you know, maybe you're a gamer and you just love playing video games, right? At some point, you have to put the video game down and use the bathroom. Or at some point, you have to drink some water. At some point, you need to take in food. Or it's gonna, your body's going to be hurting. Your body's going to fail. So just realize that it is this fundamental interaction, this, this regular you know, ritual daily of ingesting air, ingesting water, ingesting food, expelling air, expelling water, expelling the residuals of our food. It's almost like a prayer. You know, engaging with the earth in these modes, if we bring our consciousness and awareness to it that we are privileged to have as humans, it can become this really amazing, rich, experiential, uh, deep connection with nature. And those are, those are the lowest hanging fruits I can think of, right? Eating, breathing, drinking water. Um, honestly, that's just one way to start. 
your nature connection journey, bringing your attention and your awareness to that because you don't have to change anything in your schedule to fit it in, right? Those things are going to happen. The only task is to um, set your mind and your awareness uh, to start becoming present to when we interact with the earth in those ways. And, uh, and from there, sure, it gets really fun and amazing. You can, you know, everything has a name. We've given names to everything. And, and it's fun to learn the names of things because there's something else about the way, you know, when we speak, <clears throat> when we say the name of something, we use our voice, you know, it's really happening. That's another form of nature connection, believe it or not. Think about it this way. If you, ever, if you hear uh, an animal make a noise, right, out here in Southern California, if you live on the fringe of the uh, civilization, you'll often hear uh, packs of coyotes yipping, right? And it's amazing. It's a little frightening, kind of surreal, but I love the sound of it. And that's a communication, right? That gives me a certain feeling, a certain mood when I hear that sound. I get a story and a whole thing happens when I hear that sound. And what's really actually happening is, you know, their vocal cords are vibrating, right? So there's muscles in there that when they make a sound, those muscles, uh, you know, flex and stretch and vibrate the vocal cords as air is being exhaled, right? So there's air molecules passing by these vocal cords that get vibrated, right? They get put in motion and then they exit through your mouth, your nostrils, and it's got a certain frequency that it's kind of vibrating as, and it's hitting other air molecules, right? And since it hits that other air molecule, it passes on that frequency for, I don't know, sometimes I feel like those coyotes have to be at least half a mile away, and I can still hear them. That's how strong their voice is, that it's vibrated all the molecules through the air, over a half a mile and then some of those molecules are you know getting into my ear right and they're banging on uh what's that little ear bone called there's those little bones this one's called the stirrup and something else i don't remember my fifth grade anatomy lessons but literally molecules are bouncing into little parts of your ear which make them vibrate or wobble a little bit wiggle they're attached to nerves so the nerve creates a little electric charge it gets sent up to the brain and your brain does a bunch of fuzzy math and lo and behold you hear you hear something that's all that's all nature there's nothing there's nothing that had to be made or constructed there's no technology involved that we had to get involved in to make that happen it just happens it's been happening for millions of years We all know what a harsh word sounds like. You don't even need to know the language. When someone's talking pleasantly, we can tell just from the tone that it's pleasant. When someone's talking harshly, we can tell just from the tone that it's harsh. And that tone, again, is just frequency, the frequency of the air molecules that are vibrating across the air, getting into our ear. So when it comes to your voice, and nature and learning the names of things it's wonderful because then you can greet things by name we can bring that sweet tone to something um, talking to your plants that's actually a real thing if you're uh, you know paying attention at all i mean just google it talk to your plants are plants sentient oh my gosh there's so much information out there scientifically corroborated that plants do respond 
to us, to our voice, right? They're very, you know, I mean, think about a blade of grass, right? Or a flower. They're very delicate, very thin membraned, very sensitive, uh, sensitive um, aspects of, you know, nature. So you can imagine, you know, the power of our voice vibrating a bunch of molecules and those molecules hitting a blade of grass or hitting a leaf of a houseplant. And that it will recognize those same frequencies. So if you name a plant or you call something by its name and you're putting love, the feeling, the vibration of love into your voice, right, which then vibrates those molecules in a very specific way, those plants will recognize it. Becomes a pattern. Nature loves a pattern. That's all nature is, is patterns. Patterns and cycles and rhythms. So, think about all that. You're not disconnected from nature. You just need a little reminder. So I hope you can take this and, uh, and just dwell on it and think about the next time you take a breath. Maybe it's right now. Hmm. That relationship that immediately comes to mind, that I am breathing into my body. One of the most intimate things we can do is take things into our body. So intimate that I'm breathing in the exhale of the plant life around me. And when I breathe out, the plant life around me is doing the same thing. That's a relationship. We need each other. We require each other. We require each other. Same thing with water. Knowing that this, the, you know, there's a little bit of water that escapes our planet every year. Um, but in general, the, the general opinion is that, you know, there is no new water. There is no new air. Right? Scientifically speaking, they say in the universe, it's impossible for any more matter to be created. All the matter that ever has existed or will exist already exists. And it's simply going through different phases of incarnations, right? So on our planet, when we think about our air and our water, we're breathing air that is billions of years old. We're, we're drinking water that is billions of years old. There's so much information and experience. You can think about like any cup of water, any cup of water that's, you know, that you drink and the story that that, you know, the, the collection of those water molecules carry over time. You know, if water could talk, right? But when you ingest it, and again, you're thinking about, you know, the quality of the water going into your body and the, the live molecules of your body that's interacting with that water. Is it getting the story? Is there storytelling happening all the time on a cellular level within our body? The travels of water from the stories it holds. And, you know, when I say story, I don't mean like English, right? But communication, some kind of communication. Okay, getting into the weeds a little bit here, but um, I'm going to wrap this up and just say that uh, your nature connection journey can start so simply, right? It just, it's just awareness. It's just awareness. Remembering. Don't be concerned about whether you're nature connected or not. You are. You always have been. You always will be. Um, the, you know, so there's no, nothing lost there. Um, 
your option is to begin to notice how nature connected you really are. And you can start that really easy with the things we talked about today. Well, I hope that uh, gives you something to think about. And um, as usual, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And I will catch you on the next one. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in and taking a listen. Hope you got something out of that one. Um, yeah, I'll acknowledge it was a bit in the weeds. And, um, and that's okay. <laughs> I actually really like getting in the weeds for myself, like, uh, you know, just using my imagination and my creativity and just pushing them and really finding out, can I, can I make connection with my imagination uh, on deeper levels for myself, whether it's nature or, you know, my friendships or if you have a partner, family, your pets. I mean, honestly, humans connect. That's what we do. And imagination is a really powerful way to drive our connection deeper. So, uh, you know, if you are kind of, you know, on a nature connection journey for yourself, I really invite you to, to get into your imagination when you get out in nature. Really just let that childlike kid self who loves to play and pretend come out. Um, it's so, you know, I work with kids a lot off and on over the years, and it's so amazing to watch them just completely get immersed in their imagination. It's like the real world for them. And especially in nature when they're interacting with the plants and uh, you know, the frogs and little animals we come across and climbing trees and making up games and telling stories to each other. Uh, I mean, they're having so much fun. They're having so much fun. And as adults, um, you know, we don't lose our imagination. We just don't use it. So it gets kind of weak, um, but it's there. It's there ready and waiting to help you have uh, just a more fun time with your life, finding the way helping you to create ways that you connect for you. You know, for me, I'm looking at the land like it's my insides. For you, it might look like something else. But at any rate, um, get out there and, uh, and play, explore, create. Um, find that connection with nature. Who you are inside by getting outside. I'm Sean Barry. I'll see you next time right here on First Nature.